I don't mean to harp, but LG is taking its ball and going home, and that makes us sad. So we're going to talk about how sad we are. So why do I sound so happy? Because misery loves company, and you are my company. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're having a bit of a eulogy for LG. The company officially stepped back from the mobile business this week. It took its ball and it's going home. So we as a collective industry have gotten together to talk about LG and its sad passing. Here on the podcast, we're doing a sort of eulogy for LG with Juan Carlos Bagnell, who is one of LG's biggest fans. Plus, we're taking a look at a rugged PC by DuraBook for our Tech Yeah segment. This is a PC that you can literally toss around or dropkick. And we'll get to all that, but first, we have to get to the news of the week. And of course, we're going to start with an introduction to our top story of the week. LG announced it will be closing down its mobile business and winding everything down. It's going to finally pull the plug on July 31st, shipping out its remaining supply until then. So if you were waiting for an LG Wing fire sale... Now's probably the time to start looking. As it is, I'll be keeping my eye to the ground on a couple of extra second screen cases for the V60. You know, just in case. Juan and I will cover a lot of LG history and what LG was bringing to the table and what we'll miss about the OEM going the way of the Dodo later. But there is one bit of news that dropped that Juan and I didn't cover because it dropped after we talked. LG will be providing three years of OS and security updates to all of its premier flagship phones, including the G-Series, V-Series, Velvet, and Wing, and two years for the K-Series and the Stylo. So at least LG is doing right by its customers, which is nice to see. Of course, the LG V60 only got Android 11 at the end of February, so OS updates, yes. Timely updates, eh. Even so, that means the V60 will get Android 12 and Android 13, Unless, of course, they count Android 10 that it's shipped with, which, from a business perspective, would be a great loophole, but from a customer perspective, is kind of bushy. Anyway, to those of you who will be holding on to your LG phone for as long as possible, this is good news, and we'll cover the rest of LG a little later. Google, the company that somehow has like seven messaging clients at last count, is adding a chat tab to Gmail, and I'm sure this has nothing to do with Slack's intercompany messaging service at all. The feature is meant to be an all-in-one workspace, which will allow users to delete the standalone Google Chat app. So I guess this isn't really a new chat service, more just a different, consolidated way to access the same chat app. But you see, that's how they lure you in. Soon, you'll start using Google's Chat tab, and then Google will be like, you know what would be a great idea? What if we took the Chat tab and just... I don't know, made it into its own app. And someone else is going to be like, you know, that's a great idea. But you know, what about those people that have gotten used to working in Gmail? And they're going to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I know. We'll just make Google Chat its own app and a new service. Seriously, sometimes I wonder if Google has Goldfish working on product development. 
We've all heard about the global chip shortage that's coming, and naturally, everyone assumes that we're talking about processors and stuff like that. But there's another, more innocuous chip called the display driver that only costs about a dollar, and that chip is just as critical, if not even more so, than other processors, and it's got a big problem. You see, the good news is the display drivers are stupid cheap to make. The bad news is making them uses a process that's terribly outdated, which is what makes them cheap. But there have been issues in the factories that make them, which has led to this shortage. But because of the fact that it's an outdated process, it doesn't make sense to build new factories. It'd be like building new factories to make abacuses. I mean, sure, our modern cars need abacuses in order to work, but who really wants to build a factory dedicated to abacuses? It doesn't make fiscal sense. So the facilities we have are making as many abacuses as they can, but it's not enough. It's like a little Lego set. You can have all the complicated pieces you want, but if you accidentally vacuum up the fingers of your minion, it will never be complete. And I'm not saying I accidentally vacuumed up my minion's fingers, but goddammit, I accidentally vacuumed up my minion's fingers. What was I saying? Oh, right. It takes thousands of components to make a car or a smartphone go, and missing any one of those will mean that you have a car that's not drivable. So while it's sexy to talk about processors, the display drivers are just as critical. And this story from Bloomberg lays it all out for you. Lenovo dropped a new gaming phone, the Lenovo Legion Phone Dual 2, which is a weird name, but also has a weird design. It has a camera bump, which is not weird, but it's in the middle of the phone, which is weird. It also has a pop-up selfie camera, which is not weird, but it's on the side of the phone underneath the power button, which is really weird. It also has a split battery, meaning half the cell is on one side of the phone and the other half is on the other. Not the weirdest thing, but... It's not not weird. Well, Zach over at Jerry Rig Everything has put this phone through his usual batteries of tests, including his burn test. And honestly, Zach, what exactly do we learn from a burn test? Anyway, when giving the phone a bend test, the phone snapped like a graham cracker, and yes, I stole that line from Android Police because it's honestly the best description. But one side of the camera bump cracked off, and then the other side, and it didn't seem to take a lot of pressure to do it, which raises some questions about durability assuming you regularly do flex tests on your phone. Honestly, flex tests are valuable due to the inexplicable propensity for people to put phones in their back pockets and then sit on them. People, please, stop doing that for the love of all things holy. So if you are one of those people, please stop. But if you're not going to stop, at least don't buy a Lenovo Legion Dual 2. But seriously, stop it. MWC is coming this June in Barcelona, despite most of the M in MWC pulling out of the conference. Some questioned whether the international travel ban currently in place in Spain would be a problem. Well, this week, the Spanish government announced that all registered attendees of the conference will be considered, air quotes, highly qualified workers and therefore qualify for an exception to the travel ban. Of course, now I regret not registering for MWC since I could then consider myself a highly qualified worker. As it is, I'll have to remain a mediocre worker and... That's fine, I've built a career out of it. This really just goes to show the power of what the conference brings to the Spanish economy, and mad respect to MWC for having that much pull. If only it could use that influence to, I don't know, put more police on the streets so attendees don't get randomly mugged? 
you know, that'd be nice too. I've heard horror stories, people. I'm just saying. Anyway, as I mentioned, I won't be going to MWC because it turns out going to Barcelona is hella expensive. So I will watch it from afar this year. Of course, if you want me to go in the future, benefit of a doubt.com slash support and I thank you. Do you want a 5G phone? Of course you do, or at least that's what T-Mobile assumes. So they're offering a free 5G phone to everybody. Seriously, if you can bring in any non-5G phone to trade in, T-Mobile will give you a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for free. It can be an old flip phone or last year's 4G phone. If it works, you can trade it. Of course, you'll need to stay with T-Mobile for two years to cover the cost of the phone. There's always that caveat with these types of promotions. You also have to pay sales tax and a rather silly $20 upgrade support charge. And seriously, T-Mobile, 20 bucks eat that cost. If you have an iPhone, it's a slightly different deal. An iPhone 11 is directly tradable for an iPhone 12, while any older iPhone is tradable for half off an iPhone 12 or iPhone 12 mini. So you could take home an iPhone 12 for like $350 or something like that, and that's very not bad. The point is, T-Mobile has a crap ton of 5G available, and only about 10% of its customers are actually using it. Around 10 million of an estimated 100 million customers are on 5G. That's not the best thing in the world, since the rest of those customers are using 3G and 4G spectrum, which T-Mobile would really love to convert to 5G spectrum. In return, T-Mobile gets to retire a bunch of old Sprint legacy plans and even legacy T-Mobile plans and throw all their service and support into 5G, which is great for them. They can consolidate. No word on how good the A32 is just yet. It's probably not terrible, so there is that. I'd also like to see T-Mobile offer some kind of incentive for higher-end phones, too, like a half-off deal, similar to the iPhone deal. But in the meantime, if you have an old phone, you can get a new phone for it if you're willing to trade two years of your life to T-Mobile. Yahoo Answers is shutting down, and if you take one look at the homepage of Yahoo Answers... You'll probably see why the unmoderated forum is closing its doors. You know Yahoo Answers. It's the home of such timeless classics as, generally speaking, are women better than men? And why can't people see that COVID-19 is helping us to get rid of the infirmed and sickly and unwanted? And of course, there's always, who are you going to trust, a liberal who happens to be a medical doctor or a taxpayer who provides you with medical advice for free? And of course, who could forget Vaccines are for pansies. I don't believe in medicine. If I feel ill, I will strip down naked upon a boulder and let the god of wind heal me. Yeah, Yahoo answers, you'll be missed. Except, no you won't. But one question on that site will forever go unanswered. And I mean, people will try to answer it, but will never know if the answer is correct. One brave soul still had the courage to ask, does anyone know the true reason that Yahoo answers is shutting down? Granted, they asked that question in the gender studies category, but at least they had the courage to ask. Princess Cruises really wants you to go on vacation while you stay at work. As a result, it'll be turning its cruise ships into offices at sea with internet speeds comparable to land-based internet. That's actually kind of huge. Internet at sea has long been expensive, crappy, or both. As a matter of fact, when planning a summer vacation recently, my kids lobbied hard for Hawaii for that very reason. 
Not that I can complain about Hawaii, mind you, but still. At the moment, Princess Cruise Lines doesn't plan on returning to the seas until the end of June. So if you're a workaholic who also needs a vacation, maybe start shopping Princess Cruise Lines. I wonder if they want a podcaster to create and record a podcast on a ship. Hmm. Princess, call me. Of course, I'd have to be willing to actually go aboard a cruise ship that's a potential petri dish of COVID, but I guess once I get my second shot, I'll be good to go. So yeah, what the hell? Princess, give me a call, and I'll be happy to come aboard and record. If you've ever wanted to launch yourself into orbit and stay aboard the International Space Station, you might just get your chance. A new reality show currently in pre-production looks to pit 24 contestants against each other in a space village undergoing tests and challenges similar to the tests that the actual astronauts go through. The grand prize will be a ticket aboard a space flight that's already been bought by Space Hero Productions. That's right, the competition will be called Space Hero and it's been churning in in the minds of its founders since the early 2000s. When NASA retired the space shuttle, plans were scrapped, but once SpaceX and other private agencies started developing viable space transport again, things ramped back up. So if you want your chance, you can try out for this reality TV show. Personally, I'm fascinated by space and space flight, and my unavoidable rejection based solely on my weight alone notwithstanding, this is not something that I would want to try out for. I mean, sure, going to space would be really amazing once-in-a-lifetime stuff, but sitting on top of tens of thousands of moving parts and a crap ton of rocket fuel just doesn't sit well with me for some reason. And while I'm sure the first day or two aboard the ISS would be fascinating, I honestly could see it getting a little boring after not too long. Still, I'd love to record a podcast up there. That alone might be worth the price of admission, but I'm going to keep my butt on terra firma for the time being. I've often commented on how I don't report on rumors, and this next story is a good reason why. Earlier on Friday, leaker John Prosser reported that the Pixel 5a had been canceled due to the aforementioned chip shortage. Android Central yes, the same Android Central who pays me, came out with a story only to have 9to5Google report that no, the Pixel 5a is coming, but only to the US and Japan, which seems rather arbitrary, but whatever, I guess I get to get one. So Android Central printed a correction like every good organization should and well played to Daniel Bader and the company around there, and I'm not saying that just because they pay me. Anyway, this is why I generally don't report on rumors, though. Never mind that my news cycle is a week long and developments will usually sort themselves out by the time I say it to you. But honestly, rumors and unofficial information often has a way of proving itself wrong. So I stick to my guns and I report pretty much only what is happening today Today, not on what might happen tomorrow. And by the way, The Verge points out that the real story here is that Google has actually officially announced the Pixel 5a by denying that it was cancelled. So I guess rumors did us a solid this time around. Well played, The Verge. And finally, a new trailer of Disney Plus's upcoming Loki series dropped, and damn, am I excited. The trailer fleshes out Loki's story a bit more. By stealing a Tesseract, he altered time. And now the Time Variance Authority is recruiting Loki to help put things back in place. And it's important to remember that this Loki is not the same Loki who died at the beginning of Infinity War. This is a variant Loki, air quotes, from the year 2012 Battle of New York. This variant was created by the Avengers traveling back in time to steal the Space Stone in the first place. 
What's unclear here is exactly what Loki is there to fix. Is he there to fix Loki's presence in the timeline? Is he there to fix the Avengers timeline? Is he there to figure out how Captain America went back in time to 1945 and lived a full life with Agent Carter, which the time-traveling laws of Endgame say has to be a different timeline, and then return to this timeline to return the Shield of Sam in a way that's never adequately explained? I guess we'll find out on June 11th when the first episode of Loki drops, but judging from the trailer, this is going to be a good one. Backend, application, API, bugs, attachment, DevOps, backend, frameworks, backward, compiling, oriented, natural language, software, blue text editor, book margin, Boolean web server. Welcome to Tech Yeah! This week's Tech Yeah comes to us in the form of the ultra-rugged tablet computer running Windows 10. It's the Durabook U11. It's a ruggedized tablet computer that runs Windows 10 on a 10th generation Intel Core i5 processor. It has 8GB of RAM and 256GB of internal storage. As suggested by the name, the Durabook is designed for construction sites, battlefields, disaster areas, and I mean... Okay, so the scariest environment imaginable. Thanks. That's all you gotta say. Scarce environment imaginable. Well, yeah, basically. So, yeah, this is a tablet designed for extreme environments. It's got six foot drop protection and MIL standards 810G and ANSI 12.12.01C1 D2 certifications, which means basically go ahead and drop kick it or drop it on the beach in water and it'll smile at you and keep on going and the design of this tablet is also fanless to ensure that it's always quiet which is necessary in dangerous situations durabook put a lot of thought into this so i've tossed this thing around myself nothing major mind you but certainly more than i would do to a phone or a laptop and it has held up beautifully so let's take a tour around this puppy on the front, you've got a two megapixel camera up on top. On the right side, there's a power button and two programmable buttons and volume up and down buttons that can also control brightness. Around the sides, you've got a smart card reader on the left, a USB type A port on top, barrel charging port, mini display port, USB 3.0 port, RJ45 jack, micro SD and SIM card slot, and a mic slash headset jack combo. So there's a good amount of I.O. While you're out and about, you probably won't use too many of those ports because honestly, this is designed to be carried around and they're all covered up by rubber plugs and much more sturdy sliding covers. There's also hooks for a shoulder strap and included stylus and a slot to hold that stylus. When you're back at the office, Durabook also sent me an office dock, which has a ton more I.O. Basically, you can set the tablet down in the dock and add a mouse, keyboard, large monitor, and a ton of accessories, and you've got a fully functional computer. It's a pretty cool setup. I run the tablet through its paces, using it for a couple of days as my main computer. It's not the most powerful tablet in the world. I won't be making any videos or even recording a podcast on this thing. But for everyday activities like writing, publishing articles, and the like, it was perfect. The office dock helped a lot for sure. The main hangups I found were no fault of Durobooks, and it's Windows and it knowing how to behave like a tablet. It's not generally a good experience, as I detailed in my ThinkPad X1 Fold review. There's a ton of accessories available for this device as well. There's an attachable keyboard, hand strap, hard handle, expansion modules, vehicle docks, folio case. There's a ton of them. 
And I'm not going to comment on the thickness or the weight, except to say that they're appropriate for the genre. You don't go watch a war movie and complain that there was too much violence after all. Thick and heavy are what this tablet was designed for. So yeah, it's thick and it's heavy. It's also expensive, coming in at around $2,300. And a lot of that cost goes into expandability and durability and future updates that this tablet will receive. It's very modular. You can incorporate a fingerprint sensor in there. My demo unit didn't have that, which is a little sad, but, you know, it's all right. The memory is removable and swappable. Like, literally flip a switch and you can pull out the memory. If you're the type of person who needs a tablet like this, then this is a good choice. The battery is hot swappable. Even if the computer is on, you can pull out the battery and pop in a new one. It's touches like this that make ultra-durable tablets like this really cool. Overall, this is a niche device, though, for a niche market that I wanted to experiment with. It's not for me, certainly not, but I wanted to take one out for a test drive and just see how that side of the world works. Overall, I love the idea of them, even if I don't need one myself. Our next guest on the podcast is a returning guest and friend of the show who has spent a not insignificant portion of his career celebrating LG smartphones. Appropriately, he's here to help us usher out that smartphone maker since the company decided that, yes, unfortunately, we do need to make money at this thing. So, to help us tip a pint of brew onto the floor for one last hurrah, please help us welcome... Juan Carlos Bagnell. Juan, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, it, I've been doing a lot of talking this week. Apparently, people all seem to know that I use, I, I like LG smartphones. <laughs> so that's that's been cool. Indeed, indeed, you've kind of made a career out of it the last couple of couple of uh, years. I, and I feel admit- like my conversation is focused a bit more on trying to classify phones like we do laptops. But then I I, I do try to, you know, at least kind of display what my preferences are. Like, I don't feel like you can really, you know, like you can really grade what's important in a review unless you know what the reviewer actually cares about. Yeah, unless you know where they're coming from. That's why I talk up LG. Exactly. I mean, otherwise it's just like, uh, I picked this phone as the winner because reasons. And, and, you know, like one thing that I've always respected about your about your tech reviews is that you tend to not go with the winner loser model. In fact, I recall one time on a podcast, I believe you actually berated me for kind of adopting that, that ideal myself. And you're just like, this isn't about winners and losers. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. So that, I mean, that like, sounds like I, me and especially like with sort of impotent rage. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if you can't be impotent about it, what's the point of rage? Right. Um, That's where all the fun so, is. Um, and so, like, you know, as as such, you know, I've I've always tried to, you know, measure a phone based on its own, you know, merits. And, you know, while at the same time understanding that no phone exists in a vacuum. And I appreciate right. the fact, by the way, that when I changed the focus of this stream yard, you naturally shifted over to the side to be more centered hey, because I, I realized that my background looks like crap. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so. I'm an old school theater kid, so I know how to find my light. Right. You are. It's, I it's love it. I love it. So, um, so anyway, I wanted to thank you for jumping on here. Now, yeah. my no. So there is an article that I don't know if it's live yet. I, I last I checked, it wasn't live on Android Central, but I did contribute to it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a sign off for LG, like many, yeah. many, many, many people are doing right now. So I contributed my thing, and like part of my portion of it was the fact that like throughout my career. In the tech industry, I have long been the mid-range to budget 
kind of reviewer guy. Mm-hmm. I was never really the flashy phone. And like up until 2018, that meant pretty much without exception, the phones I used were garbage. Um, so, um, so like I was, I, I, I haven't had a lot of opportunity to play with a lot of LG phones, mm-hmm. like some folks, you know, you've, you've been doing the flagships for a long time now. Yeah. So, um, or certainly longer than me. Uh, so the reason I wanted you here was because I, I knew you would be able to give us a little bit more perspective, especially on the high end as to like where, you know, why, you know, what we loved about LG, because uh, like universally what I'm seeing from a lot of folks is, you know, a lot of universal kind of like, you know, wistfulness about what LG was in the smartphone space. Yeah, there's 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 talk of some missteps, and I'm sure we will probably touch oh, yeah. on a couple of those myself. Uh, or a couple of those ourselves, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, but like you know, for the most part, like I think there was a lot to love there, and so like I really wanted to start this conversation with kind of like uh, kind of like rehashing everything that LG brought to the table, and it was considerable. I mean, there's a considerable laundry list of I think um, uh, of of, of I don't want to use the word specifications, but like there's a considerable amount that LG contributed to the flagship smartphone space. And so I wanted to kind of rehash some of that with someone who has actually used that stuff. Um, But before we get started on that, I do want to acknowledge publicly that uh, I mean, again, I should I should say that LG was the first company that recognized me as an independent creator. <laughs> and in, in you full know, disclosure, uh, I, they... <laughs> I got my career, I got this podcast started off. One of our very first episodes was my full review of the LG V60. So um, I want to start off by, I want to talk about more, I, I we're definitely going to get into like recent history, but I want to go mm-hmm. back a little bit further. Um, you know, a lot of folks... Uh, Harken back to the LG G2. So where- G2 was notable because it was actually one of the first phones to uh, more more uh, with uh, with more detail kind of seal up the battery. But LG okay. kicked us off on a conversation about maximizing screen size while minimizing you know bezels and uh, material around it. And okay. so we we started a, a transition where. To, to kind of reduce what was happening on the sides of the phone, LG moved buttons to the rear of the phone. That's, okay, and, yeah. And that's you got on the G2 uh, a, a larger-than-average battery with a larger-than-average display that was a smaller overall form factor than a lot of the competitors at the time. But the G4, um, again, it, it's we, we don't give LG enough credit in terms of manufacturing and aesthetics. Because yeah. it was alongside the G4 and the original Flex that we started curving phones. Uh, LG yeah, was ahead okay. of the curve for, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> um, uh, was, was ahead of that curve for experimenting with design and, and trying to arrive at new form factors and aesthetics. Uh, and so, mm. again, alongside buttons on the rear of the phone, we still had removable batteries. So you could do things like leather backplates with actual yeah. leather. Yeah. I had one... Um, the maroon. Uh, I have the G4 in Oxblood, and it's still one of the most unique-looking phones. I mean, it's ever been made, and it, and it looks phenomenal. I've actually I took it out just uh, I took it out about two months ago, 
and I'm shooting on the G4 camera and the video's a little weak, but the G4 stills are still phenomenal. And, and okay, and since we since we've stepped up to the G4, I guess we do need to take the next step to the G5. <laughs> it's probably the one that would be easiest to point back and kind of criticize, do a Nelson haha at it like, you know, it, just in my world, I know I was very highly critical of the LG G5 when it came out. I love the idea of the modularity. I just thought that the the functionality was fundamentally flawed. And I think, you know, a lot of people will agree with that. Be, be, beyond just that, I mean, if you'll allow me yeah. to expand, um, sure. G5 represented a philosophy that I don't think LG ever walked away from. The V60 is like a spiritual successor to the idea of modular use. I can see um, that, it's yeah. Just, it's just not as ham-fisted an approach where you need to remove the battery to add some kind of functionality. Right. Um, but but as as we kind of looked at where we ended up with the G5, you know, we, we also kind of get those clear indications that it was some of the early warning signs for what would eventually plague LG later. And it, and it really hit home was the uh, the notion of regional uh, sort of regional differences on their phones. So mm, if yeah, you got a G5 yeah, okay. in the EU, they had the licensing in place and the relationships in place to do things like include the high quality DAC component that you could slot mm -hmm. in. Those were purposely disabled in the United States because of licensing and IP issues. So we never got yeah. them here. And if you imported them, they wouldn't function. Yeah, that okay. that is one of it's not really the phones. The phones themselves have always been consistent, have always been solid. LG has always represented a good kind of cost conscious competitor to, to manufacturers like Samsung, especially in South Korea. Um, but but it's harder and harder as LG kind of ages from the G5 to look at like a G6 where there are four or five different regional variants. Yeah, um, the I V50. Where we here in the United States really got a V45. We it's literally <laughs> the V450 as the mm -hmm. model number. We didn't get the V500, and so it's yeah. that kind of thing that that really uh, makes it more difficult for a consumer on the street to kind of get a vibe on what LG could deliver. I, I feel it's it, it it's not an excuse for tech reviewers. Tech reviewers should be able to grok all of that stuff. Sure. But it, it definitely um, where, where, you know, consumers and shoppers are trying to just make a purchase and get something that they can live their lives out of. It definitely complicates the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I do remember all that diversity between the different variants. <laughs> That's a very of the kind LG. way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK. Anyway, um, the LG's so, diversity. <laughs> and, and once again, we've we've moved right up to the precipice of like kind of like the next evolution mm -hmm. of of LG. And this is kind of where I got on board because uh, for some damn reason, I don't even know why, but someone at LG reached out to me while I was at Android Authority and said, hey, we've got an LG V50 with a dual screen case. Do you want to try it out? And mm -hmm. I said, yeah. <laughs> so, and, um, and, and speaking to that... Um, Speaking to that diversity, they sent me a Korean variant because that was the only one that had the the pins the, the on the back pins, to right. allow you to use the the dual screen case. And now the dual screen case is where I got on board and said, you know what, I, I like the cut of your jib, LG, um, because and and I've and I've spoken to this on the podcast as well, um, but. One thing that I really enjoyed seeing out of LG over not only not just a dual screen case, you mm -hmm. know, but the evolution of the dual screen case yeah. from the V50 
to the it was the G8X, G8X that came out later that year. Never got my hands on that one, but that was the only one I missed. And it was nicer. Um, <laughs> it was, but then came the V60, then came the Velvet, and like just every single iteration, something was a little bit better. Yeah. Something was a little bit more thought out. Something was a little bit more like, you know, more friendly about each evolution of that case. Like, you know, I remember, you know, specifically the V50 would only open to like three different positions. Right. And so, and then like the V60, you know, had that, you know, the one continuous kind of like Microsoft Surface type hinge that oh, you yeah. could open any damn way you wanted. Um, but it had that f- all glass front that made me nervous as hell mm-hmm. because I actually broke the one on the V50. Um, and then like the Velvet had the all plastic finish, which some would probably argue was a step back, but it had that it had that Cylon like stripe across the front of it. No, <laughs> that, actually, um, the, the- Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talk that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. That's benefitofthedowd.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadowd.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. like stripe across the front of it no (laughs) actually the the velvet i mean again it's a more practical the thing about the the v60s dual display case or people were complaining about the fragility of that as if it was the phone right the case is a case and if you drop your v60 and it breaks the outer glass it's still going to be significantly more likely that it's going to protect the actual phone inside the case now that's an expensive it's an expensive case, but <laughs> it's less expensive than damaging the phone. When you look at that modularity and when you look at, you know, the blood reading and the air gestures, it makes you wonder that if LG had been able to had the wherewithal, maybe even to stick with those and go through the evolutionary steps like we saw with the dual screen case. It just kind of makes me wonder, like, what we could have been what would have been possible on a smartphone today that you know we're just not going to see now which is which is damn unfortunate it really is yeah it really is um but and it definitely speaks to sort of the loss that we're going to suffer in the greater gadget community um Mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing a trend um from a number of players to kind of just piggyback and copy what the market leaders are doing we're not seeing um sort of mainstream positioned products really try and branch out or or try some of these other experiments and and us in the tech community were very quick to write off experiments like gaming phones 
Um, you get oh. like this little niche of of popularity, but then outside, I mean, you just know, well, that's not really going to be a phone for average consumers. Um, right. No, it, what we lose with LG is a hotbed of innovation is um, is a, a ton, just an, uh, years of manufacturing expertise. Um, they, they, they were responsible for branching out and working with other partners like Google back in the Nexus days. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's just a shame that, especially that, that division, uh, isn't going to make it to another manufacturer, isn't going to be bought, isn't going to be picked up because there's a lot that you could still offer there. And especially with the, the popularity and the success of their entry level and mid-ranger products, you know, from K series to velvet, yeah. Um, th those are all phenomenally competitive examples of phones at their different price tiers and brackets. We get yeah. hyper fixated on just like the, the game of the comparing thousand dollar phones. Um, yeah. but even LG was early to that race too, you know? Oh, sure. I, well, I mean, and, and speaking to that point, like most of the people that I know that aren't techies, a lot of them have LG phones. They're mid-range LG phones. They're <laughs> yeah. LG phones that I probably wouldn't necessarily enjoy using all that much, but my mother-in-law has an LG phone. Yeah. Um, I want to say my sister-in-law had an LG phone until she got an iPhone. I mean, like, there's a ton of LG phones out there, yeah. and the reason that they're out there is because they didn't cost $1,000, because... Who's going to spend a thousand dollars on a phone? They, they they were the number three manufacturer in the United States. Um, sort of overall market share was about half of Samsung's footprint, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, oh yeah, the the number ten most activated phone over the holidays at the end of 2020 was an was LG an LG K was an LG, LG like mid ranger, and it was the only Android in the top ten. All yes. of the other nine phones were iPhones, and were we iPhones. keep pretending. I remember that. <laughs> like LG was this completely insignificant player. And again, that, that really does speak to the, the crisis of marketing. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest problems with LG was never really the phones. Uh, it, you know, you can you can definitely make some critical points about, oh, software support and, oh, this one phone had a bug. Mmm, scary. Yeah. Um, but but no, <laughs> it was, you know, Samsung and Apple tell you how to feel about the phones they make. And I think LG kind of thought that there'd be some kind of meritocracy, like, hey, we'll put out a really nice competitive phone, uh, some pros and cons, different pros and cons in a Samsung. And, you know, the 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 device will speak for itself. And that's yeah. never been true. That's you never are been not true. actively uh, and and consistently communicating with your customers, then you know, Samsung yeah. swoops in on a trade in deal. And, you know, that's that's game over. You're probably not going to get that customer back. Let me tell you what makes me nervous. Let me tell you what makes me nervous about Sony is that I've been I've been excited about what Sony's been doing recently. Yeah, they've been great. similar to how I was very excited over what LG was doing mm -hmm. um, over the past two years. And I just and, and we can't finish this conversation without talking about the Explorers program, like the Explorers program in general, like I saw as a really positive, a really, you know, I saw a company that seemingly accepted the fact that. We're not going to make money with these phones, but we're going to try mm -hmm. some really cool things and we're going to see how people react to it. And then, you know, we TCL can actually moves forward because uh, they've got some of the most uh, aggressive uh, concept devices for mm -hmm. bending, scrolling foldable phones. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, 
it's definitely a, a story of of trying to garner some interest with the device itself. Um, the the wing kind of sparks some kind of imagination when when you hold it, when you flick it, when when you kind of interact with it. Um, it it's it's going to be one of those like showpiece devices that people have in like a collection or part of like a you know a gadget museum. If if you're a nerd like me and you kind of collect this stuff, don't be like mm-hmm. me. Um, right. But the 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 failure also kind of speaks to some of the stark differences between what Sony's trying to accomplish right now versus LG. And I always found it kind of uh, curious and a little concerning that LG never really circled the wagons on their other divisions. Um, LG marketing works really well for TVs. It works really well for appliances. There's there's like this cohesive brand that phones were never really included on outside of some very tangential, you can tap and pair with your washing machine kinds hmm. of ideas. Um, even the hey, LG laptop. Cliff has, a, uh, Cliff has a ThinQ branded uh, stove now. That he talked yeah. about on the last outing. No, Thomas. but I mean, like, so, show, show me that in yeah. a commercial and, right. oh, and no, show me no, that no, in no. traditional marketing that circumvents online advertising because LG videos on YouTube did really well. Um, mm-hmm. Like the G8, uh, the G8X videos were scoring millions of views shortly before we got the news that um, LG was looking to sell the division. Uh, there, there was like this little app update. Uh, I think it was called Virtu where LG laptops could screen share and mirror LG smartphones in a very, you know, Microsoft your phone kind of way. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's super frustrating because, again, Microsoft has kind of just picked Samsung and there's no reason why every other Android phone shouldn't be able to do this. But LG was like, hey, you know, you're not going to work with us. We're just going to roll our own. And then we never really got to play with it because you, you have to have an LG laptop and an LG and smartphone. An LG phone. So yeah. you've got this feature, but you haven't told anyone about it. You haven't advertised. You haven't shown consumers that this is a tangible benefit for staying in the LG ecosystem. So it, yeah. it really doesn't exist. Um, yeah. It doesn't exist unless you can talk past the techies and get to all the other consumers that might be interested in something like that. Yeah, and the Explorers program probably was not going to be that conversation. But... All the same, like from a nerd perspective, that was like what I was really excited about. (laughs) I was super excited about it. Like, what are you going to do here? Because this looks amazing. Like, And 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 LG's DNA has been built on where can we go from from weird slider candy bar phones with flip out screens to the first bendable OLEDs in devices to half-baked initiatives on modular phones and all the way to the V60. I mean, again, yeah. for the few people that I, I know with V60s, they're proper out in the cold. There, There is no phone that can go dual display, that has a memory card, that has an mm-hmm. audio file grade DAC, and mm-hmm. has stylus support. If you yeah. really used a V60, it's done. Your 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 next phone, regardless of what you get, is going to be compromised. And and yeah. and probably lacking a mission critical feature that you liked on your V60. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, that's kind of where we are. Um, all right. So Juan, we have reached that point in the show where it's time to uh, time to tell everybody where we can find you, so we can enjoy you as much as we enjoy. Oh, you! I, the so Explorers I'm, program. I'm, I'm pretty easily. Yeah. Well, hopefully for a little bit longer than hopefully the for a little bit longer. Program, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, lasted. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to find the socials. If you search for some gadget guy, you'll probably find me some is my main website where I post most of my content. I've got a Patreon for all of my camera and audio deep dives. So you can catch mm -hmm. that patreon.com slash some gadget guy. Uh, I just recently did, I hosted a live stream for Newegg, uh, where we were nice. talking about Asus motherboards and the, uh, 11th gen Intel launch. So that was kind of fun. And then, uh, oh, and then I'm also doing um, uh, carrier news. Uh, so uh, ISPs and uh, cell phone carriers over on reviews.org. So again, Neat. Kind of oh, that's where, yeah, I was about to say, where did I just see you? That was a, like a kind of a fun surprise. Like, oh, one's here. That's fun. I, I get it. It was reviews. It was reviews.org. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, cool, cool. Well, yeah, thank you for uh, reminding me about that. I didn't win their uh, digital detox Contest. Right. So the one the so. one that like if I hadn't been I, if I hadn't just signed on to them, uh, <laughs> they, they like to do a yearly Christmas movie watching where oh, okay. you you I, I forget like it's a it's a silly, ridiculous like cash prize, like thousands of dollars. Oh. Um, and and your your main task is to watch a Christmas movie every day for the entire month of December and write up a review on the movie that you watch. Um, and that's huh. the one that I was like, you know, I just signed on. I saw that they were doing that contest. It was like, oh, I really wish I could do that. That would have been fun. So I tried to share it around so that people would know about it. But they, so they, like, they do some funny things like that on the regular. Do they give you the Christmas movies or do you get to pick your own Christmas? Oh, movies? no. So, I mean, like it would have been if you had been selected as their Christmas movie reviewer, they yeah. had a list of Christmas movies that you could pick from and okay. they were going to sign you up for the services that oh. would stream them. So you, you know, again, okay. it wouldn't even be like you, you were responsible for getting the movies. It was, I mean, you're giving me thousands of dollars. I can, I can swing five bucks on Amazon, but okay. But uh, it wasn't even that. I mean, again, it's, right. it's, um, it's, it's a really interesting team, uh, to be a part of right now. Cause they're, yeah. they're, they're working on some fun. Like, again, it's not just a sign up for our newsletter and you'll get 10 entries into a contest. Right. Right. It's some really fun stuff that they're trying it to pull is. off. It is. It is. So, well, I i mean, admittedly, I probably would have had a hard time with the digital detox thing just because, you know, I work. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's fine. Anyway, um, so th <laughs> thank you, Mr. Juan, for coming on and sharing with us uh, your your views on LG and for um, uh, coming up with my obvious deficiencies on the history of LG. I appreciate, no I appreciate that. I'm going to try to edit this so I don't sound as much like an idiot. Nah, or nah, just, just cut it around. Or be fine. I'm going to lean into it because i have kind of built a career out of that so but anyway uh thank you mr juan for coming on and chatting with us and um hope to have you and i'm I, actually i'm not gonna say i hope to have you again we'll be back. surely have you on again sometime that'd be great And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank Juan Carlos Bagnell for joining us to talk some LG and pour one out for our fallen brother. I'd like to thank Cliff Thomas for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.